seated. This time Haley Creek is going to bring us special. We have no idea what we're going to sing. The preacher's sermon last Sunday night was being comfortable in an uncomfortable situation. So um, that's kind of what we are up here this morning. We sing all over the country, all over the southern part of Arkansas and northern part of Louisiana and Texas and Mississippi. And the hardest place to sing is Promised Land. That's the hardest place to sing. Are you already there to sing? No. <laughs> You're a singer. Oh, Lord. Well, what you gonna play? I don't know why y'all leave it up. Well, look, man, I ain't here. Get back on the piano, Dean. Come on. Don't argue. 
We are ill-prepared as usual. Uh, if it hadn't been for Miss Joyce Rush, I wouldn't even brought my guitar, probably. So uh, we're going to do, put the words to the music that Dina played for the offertory a while ago. Uh, Computer Boys, it's uh, number six in the hymnal. What is it? So y'all put it up there for everybody to see, and they can sing right along with us. What is it? Number six in the blue hymnal. What chord? What chord? In G chord. That is, he set me free. I can't sing it in B-flat. <laughs> this is the key I do it in. <laughs> well, now that y'all all happy, let's sing He Set Me Free. Once like a bird in prison, I dwell. No freedom from my sorrow I feel. Jesus came and listened to me and told me to God. He set me free. He set me free. He set me free. He called me from the for me. I'm glory bound by Jesus to see. And glory to God. He set me free. Darkness of time has drifted away My feet are planted on higher ground And glory to God I'm always bound He set me free, He set me free He comes upon the prison for me I'm glory bound my Jesus to see Oh glory to God He set me free chapter 1 and, and let's stand for the reading of God's word this morning.
We're going to start off in verse 6 and read verse 7. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and will pervert the gospel of Christ. Let's bow. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing us to come out and study your word this morning. Dear Lord, just thank you so much for your word and, and what it speaks into our lives and, and, and directs our lives, dear Lord. Dear Lord, just uh, help us to remember there is only one redemptive message for ma- mankind, and that's your gospel, the true gospel. Dear Lord, just forgive us all our sins. In your name I pray. Amen. As I was getting ready for this morning's message, I couldn't help but notice here in Galatians just the amazing presence of of, of God's gospel and and what it's trying to say and and we live in a world today where uh, there is many uh, doctrines there's many theologies but listen there is only one true gospel and that's the message that Paul's trying to get across right here in the opening chapter of Galatians. You have to remember uh, the context here, and, and we're going to read that here shortly. But Paul is, is getting right to the issue in chapter 1 with the Galatians. Uh, people have come in and they've tried to distort what the gospel is, and, and many of them were Judaizers, and we'll talk about them a little later. But let's start back over and read verses 6-10 through 10 to get a grip on where we're going. Paul, again, he says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we preached unto you, let him be accursed. And we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For I do, for do I now persuade men of God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Let's focus on verse 7 for a moment, which is not another gospel. And if you remember in verse 6, he tells us that uh, there's those that have preached uh, unto another gospel there, the last three words. Uh, that means another of a different kind. In verse 7, we see this another, and it's in the Greek. It's a totally different word. It means another of the same kind. There is no other gospel. Plain and simple. And and anyway, he says in verse 7, what is it? The gospel of Christ. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Who is the center of the gospel message? Jesus Christ. It's written right there for us. If, If we can read and if we can study the Bible, it is as plain as day that the gospel message centers around Christ Jesus. It says... It is the gospel of Christ. It is Christ's gospel. You cannot have the gospel message without God's own Son. Think about it. John 3.16 
For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Think of it if you remove Jesus. For God so loved the world that He gave nothing. That doesn't even make sense, does it? Without Christ, the gospel message doesn't exist. Romans 6.23 tells us that for the wages of sin is death. And let me tell you, death is our end result if it wasn't for the gift of God to have Jesus Christ and to gain eternal life. That's our hope. That's our uh, damnation is death. If there is no Jesus. The Gospel, plainly put, and Paul is the, also the writer of this book over in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the Gospel which I preached unto you, which is also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep, Memory, what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Jesus died, He was buried, and He rose again. That's the Gospel message. We don't, there's no need to add anything to that. There's no need to, to make, uh, or substitute rather more scripture into that. That's the gospel, plain and simple. Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried and He rose again. I like the way one man put it. He said, Jesus Christ was put into the grave. He died for our sins and He rose three days later to show that the check cleared. That's pretty good, isn't it? See, Jesus wasn't just a, uh, an offering for our sins. He was the whole payment for our sins. Jesus died on the cross in my place. Look at verse 4 of Galatians back in our text. It says, Who gave Himself for our sins, that He might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and of our Father? You see, there's great benefit in knowing Jesus as our Savior. You see, I know for a fact that because I have Jesus as my Savior, this evil world's not my eternal home. Isn't that what it says? Deliver us from this evil world. This was the plan of God all along. Galatians 3. I want to take you over to Galatians 3.13 and show you that what Jesus did wasn't just an ordinary sacrifice. He died a death that was accursed. It was a way of dying that that people looked down upon. Only the scoundrels, only the thieves, only the robbers, only the murderers would face this type of death. In Galatians 3 and 13 it says, Wherefore I desire that ye faint not... That's Ephesians. Galatians 3.13, it says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. Jesus Christ took the worst of the worst so that you and I could be redeemed. 
He was buried in a borrowed tomb, but that's okay. He didn't need it for very long. Right? He came out of that tomb. Christ is the center of the gospel. And I want to ask you this question this morning. Why does that matter? It matters because we don't need to be gullible enough to think that nobody else could get that wrong. Because it's been done. You see, there's another of a different kind in our world. One that's called the prosperity gospel. If you study out the prosperity gospel, and yeah, I'm making a little fun of it, but they say, you lay your hand on that and you pray over it and you claim it, and you got it. There's the word of faith gospel. If you have enough faith, you can determine your own reality. Where's God? See, He determines our reality. He knows our future and He has an expected plan for our future. You see, there's many other Gospels and of a different kind and of a different faith and they're not true, but there's many of those in this world today and we ought not be gullible enough to if they exclude Jesus, they're not right. We need to stand for that. In 1 Corinthians, back where we read what the Gospel was, Paul said, this is what you stand in. It's the Word of Truth, and that's what we have to stand in. And if you will, turn over with me to the book of John. Two places I want to cover right here. First, John 10 and verse 10. You see, all of these Gospels of a different kind, the Word of Faith, Prosperity Gospel, all of these centered around our happiness, our health. That's not what Christ was worried about. What Christ was worried about, look here in John 10.10. 10. The thief cometh not, but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I come that they might have life. That's what Jesus came from for. He didn't come to bring us health, wealth, and prosperity. That's not what He came on this earth to do. He came on this earth so that we could have eternal life and know God in a personal sense through His Son, Jesus Christ. I want to talk for a moment because not only is Jesus the center of the Gospel, But this gospel is not something that man just came up with. There is an origin to the gospel message. If you will, let's look at verse 11 and 12. Paul says, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached unto me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. How did Paul receive it? From Christ. He said, I didn't make this story up. I didn't get it from any man. But I received it from Jesus Christ Himself. But if you read through this passage, you may miss it. Because let me tell you, the origin of the Gospel is right here in Galatians 1. Look at Galatians 1 verse 3. It says, Grace be to you and peace from God. The Gospel originated from the grace of God. What does Ephesians 2.8 say? For by grace are you saved, through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. 
The origin of the Gospel comes right from the grace of God. Ultimately, the Gospel came because God had mercy on man and showed His grace toward them. We can also go back to that old familiar verse, John 3.16, and see, for God so loved the world. There's His grace. He loved us so much that He didn't want us to spend eternity without us. And so He sent His Son to die in our place. That's where grace comes from. It comes from God and not the desires of my flesh. That's not what the Gospel's about. It's not about what I can gain or what I can do, but the Gospel is about God showing His grace towards mankind. Jesus revealed it to Paul here in this chapter. And the source, uh, Paul doesn't introduce his letter the way he normally does. And what I mean by that is if you look through all of Paul's letters, he usually says a servant of God or uh, an apostle by God's will or something like that. Something to that effect is very simple, very brief introduction, and he keeps going. But look with me here in verse 1. He says, Paul, an apostle, not of man, men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Paul doesn't do this in any of his other letters. He he gets right to the point as he enters into his letter here, he gets right to the point in saying, listen, I'm a man called by God. That's it. You see, he's not, he wants to defend himself as immediately starting this letter to prove that this gospel that he preached to them in the beginning was not a false gospel. It wasn't something of a different kind, but it was directly from God himself. Normally, uh, he would introduce his self way different, or not way different, but he would not go to the links in explaining how he became an apostle. But to these people, he wanted him, them to realize that the authority of the gospel he preached was not from him, but from God himself. He even throws himself under the bus, and I, this is so interesting, looking at verse 8, Paul says he could be accursed. And what I mean by that is in verse 8 he says, but though we, me or anybody else, or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Paul says, if I even tell you anything else than what I told you originally, it's not right. If I tell you anything different from what I first preached to you, it's not correct. Paul does that. And he says, if I do that, I hope God accurses me. Because it's not right. Paul wanted them to know that the very first message that he preached to them, the very first time, was from the Lord. And that's the gospel that they needed to stay focused on. Verses 15 through 24 
are some interesting scriptures. I want to fly through this. It says, But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace to reveal His Son in me that I might preach Him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days. But another of the gospel, uh, but other of the apostles saw, saw I none save James, the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Afterwards I came into the regions of Syria and Caesarea and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea which were in Christ. But they that heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preached the faith which once he destroyed, and they glorified God unto me. Paul's setting up the stage and saying, listen, to prove that I didn't get this from anybody else but God Himself. I went to Arabia right after my conversions. I stayed there three years. And then I did see Peter for 15 days. But listen, that's not long enough. He didn't have time to convert me. The conversion I had was a conversion that was strictly between me and Christ. I want to ask you this. Our conversion... Our moment when we were saved, it doesn't have anything to do with our family. It doesn't have to do anything with the people that surround us. It has to do with our relationship between us and Christ. It doesn't matter if you were born into a Baptist home. It doesn't matter if you were born into uh, any situation. It has to do with you and Christ. And Paul is reassuring them of this, that his conversion, him accepting the gospel, was between him and Christ alone. Now, in verse 8, there's this interesting verse. It says, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And I want to tell you, In our world, there's some religions that are running rampant. One of them, just to mention Mormonism, there's a man named Joseph Smith who found these stone tablets. And he sat down and an angel appeared to him to help him translate these tablets. Another one that you're probably all familiar with is Islam. The Quran was verbally given to Muhammad by an angel who they call Gabriel. This verse says that can't be. If an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, let him be accursed. You know when this was written? 600 years before any of those other books were written. Jesus, or Jesus through the Apostle Paul puts this plain as day to us that this is the truth. And, and here's the funny thing because if you go into an argument and, and they say, 
Well, you can't use the Bible to prove the Bible. That's circle reasoning. No, it's not. And here's why it's not. Because if you hold the Scriptures as the ultimate authority, there's nowhere else to go. There's no other argument you can use if this is the ultimate authority. And let me tell you, those, those other books, those other messages that we have out there, if they don't line up with this book, there's no way they can be right. I want to tell you lastly about the span of this message. This is where it gets, it hits home. You see, because the span of this message reaches out to everyone. Jesus didn't just die, be buried and rose again for Himself or for the Jews, but He did it for everyone. I think about reading through those last few verses and especially let's look at verse 13 through 16. It says, For ye have heard of my conversion in times past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace to reveal His Son in me, that I might preach Him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. You see, Paul, even the gospel message was for Paul. After all he'd done to destroy what the gospel was building... And what I mean by that is people were out preaching the Gospel. People were coming to know the Lord. And Paul was on the other side of the fence, persecuting them, driving them away, destroying as much as he could. I love where it says, He went beyond measure in his acts, trying to destroy what God was doing. He went to the extreme in persecuting the church of God. See, it doesn't matter what background you have because even Paul can come to know Christ. Even the Gospel message was for Paul. But then in verse 16, he says, "...to reveal His Son in me that I might preach Him among the heathen." Now, Another quick quick Greek lesson here. That word heathen, if you look at it in the Greek, is literally Gentiles. It's the same word. Paul says that not only was the gospel for him as wretched of a sinner as he was, but it was for the Gentiles. And to the Jews, they thought, oh no, the Lord wouldn't have anything to do with the Gentiles. They were, they were the dogs. They were the heathens. They were, that's why it's synonymous. Gentiles, heathens. They were, they were the bad people and God wouldn't have anything to do with them. But in Paul's conversion, he says, that's the people that Jesus wanted me to go to. Is the worst of the worst. The problem here is Paul 
was battling Judaizers, and they're probably the people that walked into the Galatians and, and destroyed uh, some of their beliefs because Judaizers would go in and they would tell the Gentiles, hey, not only is the gospel Jesus died, was buried and rose again, but you need to be circumcised to get the benefits of the gospel. And they were trying to make a very natural thing and an Old Testament thing to exempt the grace of, grace of God. And Paul says, I'm going to the Gentiles with the love of God, the grace of God, the gospel. You see, Paul wanted to make it clear here that the gospel which these Judaizers were preaching was not the gospel that Jesus Himself preached. You know, we look back in the New Testament in, in the books of the Bible as we call the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because that's the life of Jesus. And we see this one instance where Jesus is sitting down, eating with sinners and publicans, and all the people saying, can you believe this? He's eating with them? Really? I thought He was supposed to be a master. I thought He was supposed to be the Savior of the world. I thought He was supposed to be this holy and godly man. But see, Jesus wanted them to realize that the Gospel was for them too. Jesus said at one time, why would a doctor... This is... Trey Emery version. Why would a doctor visit those that were well? He visits the sick. See, that's what Paul did. If the Gentiles were heathens, if the Gentiles were the worst of the worst, those are the people that he went to. Because sick people need healing. And that's what the Gospel does. The Gospel was not meant to make Gentiles into Jews. It was meant to be the redemptive message for those which were lost. The span of the Gospel is not limited to a certain sect of people. It's not limited to the way we look. It's not limited to us having it all together. The Gospel is for everyone. It's a whosoever will Gospel. We've referred to it back back to it on every point, so why not now as well? John 3.16 says, For whosoever will. Right? Another verse I want to look back at is Romans. Romans chapter 10, verse 11 through 13. It says, For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believe on Him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's one Gospel. It centers around Jesus Christ. It was not made by man, but it was meticulously planned out by God. So that man, and I mean any person, could have a relationship with Christ. 
as we get ready for an invitation. When I ask you this morning, have you accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's the only message by which men can be saved. Do you know the gospel? 